Hey guys, what's happening? It's John, a Cut Above Horror Review, episode number 80. We are talking about the highest grossing horror movie of 2022, Smile. Oh yeah, is this movie worth the hype? Well, give this one a listen and enjoy episode number 80 of a Cut Above Horror Review, Smile 2022. It starts right now. Cut my life into pieces. Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we'll be reviewing the film Smile from 2022. But first, let's meet everyone else on this show. First up, it's John, smiling Hi. nice and big. How you doing, John? I'm doing so well. Thank you. Yeah, you threw me a little curveball right there. I know, I'm I thought I'd Tiger switch it up. First, but, <laughs> hey, Jacqueline, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, had a nice couple of days off, watched uh, Evil Bong, all nine of them. All nine of them? Excuse me? <laughs> All nine. Darcy In Mowers. one day? How is that possible and also why? <laughs> because I was so lazy, so tired from the week. I needed just to relax and veg out for nine hours. <laughs> I, thought those, I thought those were like A24, you know, releases with like criterion well, additions. They they are high-end horror. Wouldn't recommend. How are the special I mean, features? Yeah. If you, if you need a thinker, don't watch this, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like a good uh, series to just turn your brain off to for a day. Absolutely. At least half a day. Nine hours? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And next up, we got Hydraberg. How you doing, Hydraberg? What's going on, guys? Your background I... is freaking me out. Sorry about that. I kind of knew it would when I picked it. It's like a mouth within a mouth within a mouth within a mouth with like these teeth and it's just yeah. bugging me out. Hey, show yeah, it to I Bob did. from Straight Chillin'. Yeah, I will. He loves that. I did not watch uh, nine Evil Bong films this weekend. <laughs> Wouldn't recommend I it. didn't even know that they had that many Evil Bong films. Well, you've got Darcy the Male Girl in three of them, so I think you'd oh, enjoy so it. I'll definitely watch those three. Yeah, well, number nine, she plays more of a major role. So if you just okay. skip all the way to nine, you're not missing anything. She's so. a major babe. That's why. So I, I, I won't be lost if I don't watch parts one through eight and just jump in with part nine. No, they really only have well, one. I've missed out on all the lore and character building. But the continuity, yeah, the lore building. There, there, <laughs> there is maybe three characters that are throughout. Um, the main one being E.B. E.B. Instead of Evie, it's E.B. Evil Bong. Uh, and man, okay. she's a she's a trash talking lady. She's mm -hmm. a sentient bong. Mm -hmm. She is. I don't know to. you. Some people like part nine best, but I've always felt that part four was the strongest in the franchise. Personally, it, it captures the, the essence of the the social commentary on smoking weed. Yeah, which is the one that Robert Eggers did. Uh, I heard he cut his teeth on that first film. <laughs> oh, six six six. Evil oh, okay. bong six six six. Yeah, yeah. But people don't really realize that. Oh my god. Before the witch that he did the Vong. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay. Uh well, I'm glad to see you boys again. Our second show of the new year. Yes. Episode 80. <laughs> yeah, moly. this is episode well, 80. I, I wish I had an it? evil bong right now so I could ring it in. <laughs> you gotta wait till April. Okay. Mm -hmm. 420. Gotcha. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. You got it. Guess well what we're reviewing all April, guys? <laughs> the Evil Bong series. Just one oh, right what? after the other. We can do them all in like one episode, right? You said they're only like 
Yeah, they're only like 58 minutes. So. Yeah, they're not that long. The first one is a little four bit episodes longer. covering all of them. Yeah. Let's oh do it. God. I'm down. Sounds like a great month. <laughs> we'll be high as a kite. Trust me. Nice. <laughs> great. Okay, then. Yeah. Well, glad you boys are doing good. Good to see you after a week. Uh, John. Yes. I suspect that you have some interesting news for us. Oh, man. It, it's it been a packed week for news. And it's weird because we were talking about April. April is going to be packed with horror mm-hmm. movies. Things that we probably need to like look at our schedule and maybe rethink things. Um, we all watched the Evil Dead Rise trailer. It just uh, hit this past week. Mm-hmm. Thoughts, Jacqueline? Um... Well, I have to be honest, I have mixed feelings about it, and you guys could probably guess why. Uh, it looks like it's continuing stylistically in the same vein as the Evil Dead remake from, what, like 10 years ago, something like that? Yeah, 2013. Yeah. Um, so it looks nice and gory. It looks super dark. looks pretty like intense, which I like, and normally I'd be super down for that. But there's one thing that is giving me pause about it, and that is that there's children involved and that, you know, I don't know exactly like to what extent they're going to be involved. But the trailer does show, you know, these small kids being sort of terrorized by their mother. And that kind of thing really bothers me. I don't like seeing children frightened or like, you know, especially of like a parent. I don't I don't like that. Yeah, I've seen it twice, and if I'm not mistaken, and if you haven't seen it, go watch it. We're going to spoil it. Um, in the trailer, doesn't the boy swallow glass? There is somebody swallowing glass. He looks like I a- thought it was the little yeah. boy. And then the other scene, I think what you're talking about is the mom has been possessed, mm-hmm. and she puts her hand through the door and grabs the little girl's neck. And yeah, that yeah. that was that's hard to watch. There's a couple characters. It's so it's hard to tell who's who because there's also a woman with short hair, I believe, in the trailer. And I wasn't sure if that was who was chewing on the glass, and not oh. the little boy. Yeah, is there a little know. boy or just a little girl? And then there's like a teenage son. I'm, I couldn't tell. No, it's like tra- yeah. I only watched it once, and trailers move so fast that I can't really like absorb every detail. I so I, I watched the Red Band trailer, and it, I'm gonna. It's an awesome trailer. It, it shows a little too much, mm. but it's got got a nice little homage to The Shining in there. Yeah, it's 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 it looks good. They said they're literally just going with more of the like the Evil Dead One vibe, you know, just straight up horror, yeah. which is what 2013 did as well. And Successful. I like that personally. This yeah. seems like it's taking place in the same world that that 2013 built. Because if you look at the, mm-hmm. the lettering and the background, like mm-hmm. imagery in the end, it's like literally taken from that. The red and black with the vine, like the the veins or like the Necronomicon has. So yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so we had another trailer that popped on. Uh, Renfield, our good buddy Nick Cage, starring as Dracula. <laughs> I'm a vampire. What do you guys think about that? God, I loved it. I loved it. it. It's like, it's got that nice mix of horror, comedy, and action. I mean, it's just, I think this is just going to be a fun watch. It's not going to be an Academy Award winner, but it no. just looks fun. I was surprised how much of the trailer spends just on Nick Holt's character and not, they they build up Nicolas Cage's character and then just unveil him at the very end for a quick but, moment. 
and I think that's pretty much all you're going to get. I think you're going to get yeah, like fine. little glimpses of him, maybe his mouth or something yeah. or the back of his head. Um, I love the fact that, you know, he's the titular character of Renfield. So I obviously has to be based around him. I love that Aquafina's in it. Like she's one of my favorite actors of all time. Cause she is so witty and, and she's got such great comedic timing. She makes a really good water. <laughs> Is that what you're drinking right now? Mm-hmm. No, he's drinking raw nice zombie water. Brought to you. Oh, God, damn, Johnny is always like ramming it in there. Give somebody else a chance. Let us <laughs> oh, all get on that Rob Zombie train. Is give them a chance to talk about Rob Zombie. Well, I, I do like the look of the Renfield trailer. Um, I feel like it looks... So I don't love when too much action is mixed in to a horror movie. I do like a little bit of comedy thrown in there. But... Um, too much action and I it kind of loses my interest. So I don't know how this one will be for me, but I, I will say that having Nick Cage as Dracula, that is a big selling point for me. And just that tiny glimpse that you get of him in the trailer is mm. pretty awesome and kind of hooks me in right away. Like I'm 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 pretty like committed to this. A little confused though, like you mentioned the action. Nick, like Renfield looks like he's got like abilities or like some kind of superpowers. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like he eats a bug or something. Yeah. yeah, like he eats a bug and it activates like <laughs> its superpowers. I don't know well, if he's says, feeding a little bit off of Dracula, maybe. Well, it's, the trailer that I saw, it says that in exchange for everything that he does, like kind of as Dracula's caretaker, in yeah. return, he has bestowed him with these like abilities. Uh, abilities, yeah. I mean, the partnership's supposed to be at one point he's going to turn him, right? And like that's why Renfield does what he does. He wants to be turned by Dracula. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the lore. I don't know the story. Yeah, or, or the character of Renfield. I thought he was just like a peon that di- did Dracula's bidding. Well, he's a- got to have a reason, so maybe that's his incentive. Yeah. Could be. Uh, okay, there was a poster. Our, our, our uh, been looking forward to this one. Ari Aster's new film called "Bo Is Afraid." Starring Joaquin Phoenix shows uh, different ages of Joaquin, the character of Bo, due out in April. Trailer hitting the web tomorrow. Does this pique your interest just by looking at the poster? It shows four uh, renditions of Joaquin Phoenix at different ages, a kid, uh, middle age, getting older, and an old man. Uh, I, I don't know about the poster. I don't know if the poster art really piques my interest so much. But the title to me is intriguing, as is the fact that it's written and directed by Ari Aster. Uh, I mean, I'll follow that man anywhere and yeah, watch anything it, that he makes. It, it's being billed as like a thriller comedy. Yeah, it's like and it's like four hours long <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. It's like I don't know about four hours, but it's definitely long from what I understand. It was originally titled, uh, what was it, Disappoint- Disappointment Boulevard or something like that? Yeah, something yeah. like that. But that's that was the working title, at least. Yeah. Sounds like a risky title for a film. It's just kind yeah, of like yeah, inviting yeah. jokes at its yeah. expense. Yeah, I could see the reviews just using that as a title if they don't like it. You know. Yeah, some yeah. some witty uh, <laughs> some witty guys are going to get on there and say disappointment Boulevard was well disappointing. disappointing. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Witty he's witty. so witty. Um, yeah. won't require too much creativity. But like Jacqueline said, the poster does nothing for me. Like it just. I feel like the post is maybe going to make more sense after seeing the film. Mm. I get mm-hmm. it. Like there's different iterations of him throughout his life. Uh, I've read a little bit about the film, but I kind of want to go into it as blind as possible. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I 
it's not the most interesting poster, but it piqued my interest just because I think what Joaquin Phoenix did with the the Joker character, you yeah. know, I just I maybe I have more respect for him. So it was just kind of cool to see him in those different iterations or different yeah, ages. He's a good so he's got range. I I'm more curious about just like how much horror this is going to be or like how much of an Arias is this going to be like, is he breaking away from what he normally does with the last two films and doing something a little bit different with this one or. Well, I think his other films were just him venting and, and maybe like his therapy because he went through a lot of trauma or a lot of heartache in his life. And I think those two movies really got it out of his system. So maybe he's just trying to spread his wings a little bit. They can kind of like Robert Eggers did Hmm. with uh, the Northman. Yeah. Well, I feel like we'll have a lot more. (laughs) I feel like we'll have a better sense of this tomorrow when that trailer comes out. Yeah. Let's talk about it next week when it comes out. Yeah. Can I throw one news story in real quick? Please, please. That I, that I forgot to uh, mention to you until just a minute ago, which is that I saw on Twitter recently that so only, I don't know how many people are going to be excited about this, but I sure am. Eli Roth is finally, finally, going to be making the full length version of his thanksgiving trailer i am so excited okay so so i didn't know if you guys were that excited about it but i went back and watched the trailer again i said oh this is gonna be amazing yeah well and not only should you watch the trailer if you haven't seen it but you should also go listen to spoils of horror they did a little mini episode just on the trailer on the trailer of Thanksgiving. Fantastic. Yes, of Thanksgiving. Yeah. So not Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving. Uh just the the fake trailer for a movie that does not exist yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they did like a whole episode just about that trailer, and I love it. It's fantastic. So I don't want to get my hopes up because it's it's a movie based on a trailer that wasn't real. And Machete was like, eh, okay. So it's like I don't know. I just I feel I like we've built this movie up in our head since watching that trailer, and it, I feel like it's never gonna pay off to the to that extent like hopefully it's just a decent slasher with some good raunchy jokes or something yeah (laughs) and you know you may end up being right about that but just realistically there is no possible way that i'm not going to get overly excited for yeah there's there's not going to be any way to temper my expectations i'm going to go into it like i'm hoping it's got like ty west vibes where he kind of goes for that the vibe of the film was like an 80s like early 80s slasher, you know what I mean? So I hope that's the kind of aesthetic they keep with it. Like make if it a they grind. filmed it like that with the grain and everything, that would yeah, be fantastic. I, I would love that throwback. Yep, if that's you what did. I want. Please, Eli. I know Eli's a regular listener of our show. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So Eli, please hear our, hear our prayers. <laughs> please make it just like you did the trailer and we'll yes. all be happy. Okay. Throw uh, that grain quick, in there. I don't know if you were going to touch on it, but I didn't get to see it this week. I, uh, I had a ticket, but I canceled. I'm probably going to go this week. But uh, Megan's doing really well in theaters. I haven't had hearing... a chance to see it yet. Yeah, I'm hearing decent things about it. John, did you see it? I did not. No, I was watching Evil Bong. <laughs> yeah, he was too busy. <laughs> okay. I guess I guess you made your choice. I did. Um, so, Hyderberg, you were going to see it, but you canceled? Yeah, I was just like, I got home the other night. Uh, I had a ticket. I was going to go by myself. And I was just kind of like, oh, I'm not really feeling going to the movies today. So mm. I canceled. I have the Regal Pass, so it's free. So Wow, I have I literally never said that in my life. Yeah. What, that you weren't in the mood to see a movie? Yeah, you must have been. I don't tired. know. I just, I came home early from work that day and I got like into something else. And I was just sort of like, I'm kind of enjoying what I'm doing right now. I don't really feel like breaking it up and then leaving the house just to go see the movie and then come back. And by the time I come back, it's almost bedtime. So I was like, eh. 
There's a later showing. I'm getting old. That's what it is. <laughs> okay. I was like, I gotta go to bed soon. <laughs> I oh, almost boy. just spit out my diet, Dr. Pepper. But nice. I do want to see it. Yeah, I do too. I I'm curious. To be honest, I wasn't really interested in it, but I feel like I've heard better uh, feedback than I expected. Yeah. yeah. So when now I, I don't do- know. When I was doing news, they've already greenlit a sequel to it. So. Oh, God. That's what I was afraid of. Well, Ooh. there you go, man. I mean, everybody's saying like it's a pretty decent entry for like the first film, like horror film of uh, the year, you know, as far as just getting the ball running. Right. So. Okay. Well, not maybe, a bad I'll start to January. I will try not to prejudge then. Exactly. All right. Well, I, that's it for news, right, John? Yep. We're done. All right. So this, whose pick was this anyway? Smile. Okay. John, you yes. pick Smile. Yes. Can you explain why? I, I, I can. Um, uh, like I said last year, and I, I guess I guess it Hydraberg made it my New Year's resolution to watch n- more new movies. Um, <laughs> I had every intention on watching this, not realizing that it was going to be the juggernaut at the box office. So for me, since it is on streaming now, I was like, okay, I think now's the time. I mean, we're just getting into 2023, maybe cover some more movies that were much talked about that we really need to get to but just kind of keep up that focus on on watching newer movies so uh the simple reason was it was monster it made over like 200 million dollars on a smaller budget and i wanted to see what the hype was all about yeah i'm really glad you picked it because it was one of those that got away from me Mm -hmm. at the end of last year and you know there was so much good stuff coming out and i just couldn't get to it all so i was glad to have a specific reason to watch it for this week so thanks for picking it you bet yeah. Hopefully we all like it. <laughs> well, let's find out. Let's decide okay. whether it fucks or sucks. You go first, John. You bet. Uh, I think this movie absolutely fucks because it's unique. However, there's something familiar about this fuck. Something very, very familiar. And I think we'll get into it in the review. But I, I say overall, it fucks. Okay. How about you, Jacqueline? I think that uh, not only does it fuck, but it's a fuck that will leave you smiling afterwards. That's I thought Hydraberg would say that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, because he's more clever than I am. So oh, that's... Okay. <laughs> oh, please. Hydraberg, what do you think? Uh, so this is more than a flaccid fuck for me. It's it's more like a fuck that seemed like I was going to leave, leave me with a large smile on my face. But at the end, it's a little disappointing. Okay. And also familiar. Mm-hmm. Yep. I do think that this one's kind of like a good wide release crowd pleaser, though. I feel yeah. like this is I can see why it did so well. Yeah, I feel like this is something that's gonna appeal to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh for some reason going into it, I thought that it was rated PG thirteen and then stuff started happening. I was like, whoa, this is a lot for PG thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> no. So uh this is, an R, this is an R-rated fuck. I'm I'm so bummed I did not get to watch the movie in the theater, but I'm glad I watched it. So yeah, yeah. I saw it in the theater. It was a pretty good theatrical experience. Yeah. Seems like a good communal experience with a, yeah. with a group of people. All right. Well, before we get into it, let's have that spoiler warning so that we can get into the details. You got it. Here's your spoiler alert. We're talking about Smile from 2022 in its entirety. If you have not seen this movie... Definitely pause the podcast, go watch it, then come back to find out what we thought about it. 
Yeah, do it. Yeah. Hydroberg. Hopefully I have a reach around here that will make you guys smile. <laughs> they always Your do. reach arounds always leave us smiling. Oh, wow. I'm blushing. All right. You guys ready? Ready. Mm-hmm. As a younger girl, Rose, she grew alone. Throughout her life, her mother's death, she suffered on her own. Her guilt she held, it cut her deep right down to the bone. A career she chose with mental health to push through the unknown. She comes across a case unlike she's ever known. As a patient pleads and begs for help, much to her dismay. Cursed by an evil that she ultimately must obey. Causing her to end her life in the gruesomest display. For Dr. Cotter, it's enough to ruin her day. So home she heads, but on her conscience, many things they weigh. Then she starts to see all the things that Laura said. This entity, it tells her things like soon you will be dead. The pieces she must put together, the terrors in her head. Her family and friends, she seems to all let down. But none of them are aware of how she's breaking down. It's not a simple case of a woman put on trial, haunted by a supernatural hostile. Now Rose must come to grips with her trauma as a child, or fall of prey in seven day by a demon known to smile. <laughs> Ooh, nice I one. Like, I like that. Dang. Can, can I just give a negative right off the bat? And it's not a it's not a really big knock on the movie, mm-hmm. but I've just seen this overuse of of camera angles, like the flip upside, upside down. down. Yeah, the drone above. There's a lot of drone work. You've read my notes, John. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I just no. wanted. To, it, it's not necessarily a knock on the movie because it added to the the aesthetic of the movie, but you know, on the other side of that. The complete opposite. This score was dope. It was. Uh, th- those camera angles I thought were effective the first couple times. They're overused, though. A lot. There's a lot of spinning imagery. And I know some of it's supposed to be like a frown upside down sort of vibe or like yeah. the landscape is supposed to look like a smile, like the sky. But it's like every other outside shot of her traveling is doing an upside down effect. And it just seems overused. And the drone stuff I noticed also just it kind of stood out to me. Mm. Well, and beyond that, it's like, you know, it's, as you guys said, it's overused in a lot of movies. And I think in a lot of other, and even TV, like some TV series that I've watched lately, it's, they, they do that too. Um, like Fleischman is in trouble and some other things, but um, I think it's use in some other films is not done as well. And then by the, so I think that a lot of the times it does work in this movie, but because yeah. we've seen it so many times, even though it's done like kind of in an inferior way, it feels like oh, I'm tired of this already. Even trophy. though it's even it though is. it's kind of better yeah. than some of these other things, it's like it's old by now. Justin actually from uh, Soju from Straight Chillin has actually commented not long ago about like films doing this a lot and TV shows, mm. mainly because it makes his it makes him feel nauseous when he views anything. Really? Said. Yeah, yeah, but. So I could see yeah. that being a major complaint for him. And this film does it several times. And I it do does. think cinematography in this film is re- there's some really beautiful shots and cool, absolutely like shot like angles and wide shots. I like when when Laura shows up in the beginning and the ambulance, we get an overhead view of the ambulance pulling into the hospital. And then the camera slowly pans up and zooms in into uh, Cal Penn's office. I forgot mm-hmm. that doctor's name, Dr. Morgan or whatever. Desai, but, Desai, I think. Yeah, Desai. But I just thought that was a really cool shot. Like, a, uh, you know, it didn't cut. I just really liked. Uh, there were several shots like that I liked. Like the editing, I thought was great. Yeah, just like you were saying, Hydraberg, that that transition of of doing the drone shot and then kind of look looking into the window and then transitioning mm-hmm. into the office itself and then going to the door and then hearing the knock. I thought that yeah. was a great edit. It mm-hmm. was. 
Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of really polished stuff in here, especially considering the low budget. Yeah, I think there was some lovely camera work. Um, John, as you said, I thought the score was very good, like better yeah. than it really had to be. Um, creepy. There, it was creepy, but then also at certain moments, I couldn't, you know, no, I couldn't tell you which specific moments, but there were certain moments that were tense and the music was appropriately tense, but then layered on top of the tense music were that some- noise? Like, no, like some slightly kind of almost cheerful, melodic- little turns that they that they seem they seemed like they shouldn't be there and mm. so because it was a tense moment not a cheerful moment but there's just little little moments of cheerful melodic uh notes like it that represents like the manic of up and down you know like the the way she's like she feels good but now this thing's starting to take over her life and she's starting to break down so maybe the music yeah, or, or almost something almost suggesting a clown that maybe it's sinister but it yeah you know something sinister but wearing a smiling face yeah and true so that it just um it was again it was unexpected i had these little moments where i was like oh it almost felt like sounds little... to me not not just music but like sounds like ching like they they found something in a studio and they just recorded into it like a real sharp ching or it was just like clattering chittering teeth sort of noise or yeah. whatever during moments I mean, I, where she was sort of breaking down to kind of, I think, add to the fact like she can't concentrate right now. She's like all up in her headspace. She's like doesn't understand what's going on because she's like seeing some un some unrealistic stuff happening right now that she's, you know, as a as a psychiatrist or therapist she, um, or whatever kind of doctor she is. She's like, I don't know, she's she's taught to break this kind of stuff down, you know what I mean? And not and give it some kind of clinical terminology for why it's happening to someone and then for it to happen to her she's you know the roles reverse and she's just sort of like can't can't deal with it that was a beautiful like plot point to me i yeah. i loved i love that transition of uh flipping it on its head um i'm a total sucker for cold openings yes me too i mean this this was so brilliantly done because it gave you a lot of the characters i mean it starts off with the mom in the bed like just dead vomit everywhere you see pills and alcohol and cigarettes all over the place and this little girl standing there and then you realize that this is um this is rose yeah. and you know she wakes up from this nightmare with her phone ringing so mm -hmm. as if it's a nightmare she has frequently yeah 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 you do yeah you definitely get that sense and you kind of get the sense already that she's exhausted mm -hmm. oh yeah. yeah like she literally uh, goes what, what were you gonna say Oh, no, no. Go ahead. Continue the thought. Well, she, like she literally leaves to go to leave for work. Right. And then what mm -hmm. happens? She hears the phone rings. We we pan in on the phone. And of course, what does she do? She runs back in her office and takes the call because yeah. she doesn't want to go home almost. It's like work is kind of her safe space. It's that's where she puts her mask on and she's able to like not deal with really what her trauma is like still as a child, I guess. As an adult, this is where she's kind of spent most of her time. An effort. Well, Cal Great Penn's point. character, okay. I, I I wish we got a little more background on, on like what caused, well, we know what caused her trauma, but why is she working so much more now? She said, because uh, Cal Penn's character said at one point says, you need time off. You've yeah. been working 80 hours for the past couple of months. And I'm assuming uh, we don't know that she's been there for a couple of years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I could tell you why. It's one of my complaints because okay. her relationship with her fiance seems hollow as fuck 
like their relationship just I don't know. There's I have some moments of there's some acting issues with this movie or at least the writing. And like his character is one of them for sure. Like he's just a wasted character. He does nothing. I'd like yeah, I'd like to talk about that too. And I well, just they feel like when they're on chemistry. screen together, there's no real zero chemistry. chemistry. Yeah. Well, I was hopeful at first because in the first scene in which we see them together, he seems really loving and supportive of yeah. somebody who does something difficult for a living. And yeah. I was hoping that that would grow and that he would be like a main kind of like rock for her mm -hmm. over the course of the movie. And he really disappointed me as a character because first of all, he just wasn't there that much. Like it was kind of an underwritten character. That's but what then, I think the problem was. He was underwritten. But, yeah. But, and then, but even what there is of him, he goes down a really disappointing character arc that I, uh, you know, left me feeling cold for him. Like he mm -hmm. turned so quickly from loving and supportive to disbelieving and just Did you say ghost? up on her. And he was like, was I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, that was just a bummer. Yeah. I think we'll get more into that guy. I I love the way this movie hit the ground running. You know, I, it, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of fluff in between. It was dead mom on the bed. So you realize that this is 10 year old Rose. It, she wakes up from this nightmare. You know, there's some interactions with the nurse, with Cal Penn. And then Laura comes in. Yeah. And we were talking about what those drone Carl shots. Too. Huh? We get yeah. Carl first, which. Oh, uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, good, Carl. A good bit of uh, Rose's life and like her, at least her work life, you know, and how she's good at her job. And she's, she's dealing great. with Carl, who's sort of the embodiment of what a person who's normally thinking like, oh, they're out to get me. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Except Laura is actually the, the real embodiment of like the, that. She's really bringing that to life for for Rose. I felt so bad for Carl the second time Me I too. watched this movie. I, I I just I my heart went out to him. I was just like he he's dealing with a lot of he doesn't seem violent, no, or like he's going to do anything wrong. It seems like he's know? suffering. He, yeah, like he, he is. Can't, really like suffering. he can't escape his own head. Right, mm -hmm. and I felt so bad for him. I was just like, man, I did too, especially go. when she called security on him and he was just laying down. I know the guy wasn't doing anything. He was just smiling. But that was just the demon. Like playing tricks on her. Yeah, I was just playing tricks. Yeah, I'm sorry. Back to Laura, you were saying? Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I, I and I did like that drone shot of of Laura getting <laughs> taken into the the facility uh, via ambulance, and you can hear her screaming, and then it goes into the Calpen office thing. Um, and then the the actress that played Laura to me. That was some of my, as little of a role that she had, that was some of my favorite acting I've seen in a long, long time. She seemed like she was with it, but she didn't know how to deal with it, like what she was going through. Yeah, or like, how to describe it to somebody and make them believe her without thinking she's crazy. Right, because Rose like said everything in the book that you need to say. Okay, so yeah. what did you see? How did that make you feel? You know, things like uh -huh. that. And she's just like, listen, I'm... I'm not fucking crazy. This is happening to me. Nobody will believe me. I like when she's like, I'm a PhD candidate. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm fucking smart. This doesn't just happen to people like me randomly. You know, like something's going on. Right. Yeah. And people with no history of this sort of thing. Well, and that kind of leads me to something I wanted to say about Rose. And I think, Heidelberg, you touched on this before. Is that like she is a mental health care professional. And I think one of the strongest things about this story is the fact that she knows exactly how the system works 
She knows all of the professional language. She can diagnose others. She attempts to diagnose herself. And her therapist is like, let's let's try not to self-diagnose here. Um, But she knows this is her field of expertise. And still, she cannot, like, intellectualize herself out of this. She can't make people believe her, even when she's putting very precise language on it. Uh, You know, a layperson is not going to describe things as well as she's able to. You know, she uses very, like, clinical terms to describe what she's going through at first. And even then, people are not understanding her and not, like, able to help her in the way that she needs help. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly like like the way Laura was talking to her. You know what I mean? Like, she's saying the same exact stuff. Yeah. Like, no, you you don't, you're not, you're not listening to me. You're not hearing me. I'm I'm not crazy. Yeah. But it makes you feel like really kind of desperate and despairing because it's like, no matter how much you know about this field and like, no matter how well you can talk about what's happening to you, you can't make somebody else understand what it is. And therefore you can't get any help. Like I nobody can help you. That, yeah. I love the line when they're interacting of Laura saying, you know, I see people that I know see people that I don't know. I even saw my my grandfather who I watched pass away when I was seven years old. That was so effective later in the movie. Yeah, you know that's a I nice mean? thread of like letting you know kind of how this creature works, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a very smart way to I mean, the premise of the entity being, uh, you know, something that preys on victims of trauma and passes itself through uh, seeing that trauma. But also those victims like have trauma built in from like when they were younger or something, they, they witnessed something earlier. I think that's a, an interesting premise, even though if it seems very familiar to me, I thought <laughs> it, putting that putting that putting that premise into you know, a, char- a main character who works in the mental health industry, you know, like that's interesting that that leads to ha- having a, an interesting um, protagonist. Yes, I agree. I do feel like this film is a little generic, though. Yeah. John, you said you thought it was very original. I thought I, I thought there was a lot of original ideas, but I've seen the movie when it was called It Follows. Yeah, and I saw <laughs> it, when it was called The Ring before that. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, and to me, it's a, it's an invisible entity that populates somebody else because when Laura, our first kill of the movie, Laura sees it and she's yeah. being choked out. Yeah. Um, it sort then, of combines the entities from the ring and it follows because it has tri- it has similar aspects of it the way it, it it will follow you there's also like a seven day-ish sort of timer to get yeah. through this thing it'll take the also, form of people you know i would also suggest a dash of sinister and sure. babadook as okay. well like sinister in terms of like this curse that yeah like by the time you see it it's already like gotten you and you don't even realize it at first and it kind of like follows in a chain and also that's literally Bob- I think the uh the tagline on some of the marketing was like once you see it it's too late or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so Sinister kind of works like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you move into the house and you find the old film reels and then, you know. Uh and then also Babadook. In, I love I love the comparison like- to Babadook because yeah. I, they are absolutely commenting on mental health and trauma. Yeah, yeah and grief, manifest- grief and trauma. manifestation yeah. of like trauma exactly. as this like entity that follows you. And you yep. can mm-hmm. stuff to get rid of your guilt, I, I, I guess, or, or or the guilt that you feel. Now, do you feel like this film is like a metaphor 
for mental health and trauma as much, or does it sort of just use it as a device? And cause I'm sort of both ways. Like I know it, it touches on it, but I don't feel like it pulls, I don't know. I don't feel like it touches on the mental health thing as much as it could have. Like there's, there's theories that like Rose could have been making like this all up, not making it up, but like imagining it or having a mental breakdown, you know, and then like, there is no entity. It's sort of just a form of her own guilt and, her psyche breaking, which I don't really think is, I think it's a real thing that's being passed along to people. Yeah. I, I think it's more about trauma. I mean, because uh, when she gets with Joel and tries, well, that's to, the figure, catalyst, yeah. uh, tries to figure this whole thing out. I mean, there's a, there's a, a succession of, of people seeing something traumatic, very yeah. traumatic. And then it engulfs them and they have to do something traumatic either to themselves or to somebody else. But then they've also seen something traumatic before they ever met the entity before, like that's it's almost that's like a what final I'm destination. It, yeah. It, kind of final it, destination kind of it, vibe. Where, like, it, it, it passes on to you just like it follows. Yeah, you know? and it, only, like, it only preys on people that already have this built in trauma. Right. Well, I think it's just that like having had that traumatic experience makes you more susceptible to it. That's how I, I, guess, how yeah. I interpret it. So I, I thought it was very much like almost explicitly a metaphor for trauma. Like there, there are several lines of dialogue where it's like, I, ha I have to face this. And she's talking about the entity, but like, this is like as she's walking into her childhood home and it's like, so yeah. And it takes the form you know, of her mother. It's end. like very obvious. Like she has to go back to her childhood and face this thing that happened, this terrible thing that happened. Um, yeah and, and well and we know that like almost everybody who gets infected with this like they've already had some kind of thing in their life i just feel like it's all a very like I, i'm not gonna say ham-fisted but like it's i think it's a, a little bit clear little i think bit. it's a pretty clear metaphor for like this thing being a like an embodiment of their own personal past trauma which I do think that it seems derivative of some of those other movies that we already mentioned. Like, I think It Follows is more original. I think mm -hmm. Babadook mm -hmm. is more original. I think Ringu and The Ring are more original. Um, this seems like kind of a, a melange hmm. of all of those, if you will. Yeah, I do think it has some elements that set it apart. Um, for example, the character of Rose, I do think is very sympathetic and kind of memorable. Yeah. Um, partly because of some of the reasons we already mentioned, like her profession. I also think the actress does a pretty good job in this role. It's Bacon. Kevin Bacon's daughter. Is yeah. it? Oh, yeah. that's why she's got the name Bacon. Yeah. Kevin Bacon from Sinister. Exactly. See, it's all connected. That's Wait, a joke. On. I know that he's not. I know. Uh, well, also, I think she looks exactly like her mother. Kira Kira Sedgwick. Sedgwick. I think yeah. she looks so much like her. Exactly. But um, I will say, I hope nobody gets mad at me for saying this, but... I will say I do feel like I'm getting a little tired. It feels a little like trendy or buzzwordy to have movies with like metaphors for trauma. Just I feel yeah. like so many things now are about like trauma and grief and trauma and grief and trauma and grief. I feel like there's just so much of it lately that it's like kind of a, a hot thing right yeah. now to make your movie uh, as a metaphor for trauma or a metaphor for grief. And, and it's just getting a little bit old. I don't think this film does it as elegantly, like using that as a, it's, it's the topic, you know, mental health is definitely there and trauma, but it, I don't know, deep down, I feel like this film is mainly just like, like a supernatural creature feature that uses a little bit of that for its story to get, you know, get the point across. And, but it doesn't really touch on those subjects as much. Like, 
I don't know. That's not as poignant to me as some other films that re- like something like Midsummer or Hereditary that really deals with grief or trauma, like or even like we said, the Duke. like that does it excellently. You know, I don't think this film has much to say on the topic. It's just kind of uses it as a plot device a little bit. This movie not did something. It, this movie did something really, really good. And I'm going to go back to uh, the Laura scene. The taking the glass vase yeah. and, and cutting her throat was what, like a really, really brutal looking scene. But they start from the cheek. What's that? She oh, yeah, like, like her cheek, but like down to her yeah. neck, like made a smile. You know, I thought but, she was going to cut a smile across yeah. her mouth. I didn't so know right. she was going to go scars. all the way down to her neck. Yeah. So, um, but. Oh, they God, scattered it throughout the movie, which was great. I thought it was like it, it was very well done. And the fucking jump scares. There's some pretty good jump scares there. Um, there's a couple that that gets you when you when you don't expect a jump scare. Like this, like you said, the editing is really good. Like the one with the car got me when I was in the theater because I just wasn't anticipating that. It was like a jump cut to a new scene where she was at a new location all of a sudden, and it definitely gets you. And uh, I do like John. Did you just mention the work of like this Miles in in general? As not not just on people, but like in the background on things. I thought, dude, she had a cup. She had a coffee cup. cup with had a smile. smile. It. And when yeah. she went to get the toy, uh, the box that they zoom out on has like a, sm- a smiling family on it. You know that that quintessential family from like the the fifties. Yeah. It was yeah. it was right in your face though. It was like like yeah. and then uh, the pain you know, management sign in the hospital. Yeah, they zoom like in on. zero pain, big. I did like that being everywhere. Yeah. I did too, because it's sort of just like haunting her. It's there. It's just it's just happens to be there, you know. Mm-hmm. What were you gonna say though before Jacqueline? Oh, so I, I wanted to kind of speak to a point that you made earlier about how this film doesn't address the topic of grief and, and trauma as elegantly as some of the other films that we've talked about. Um I agree with that. I think that at its heart it is kind of like like a supernatural kind of just like monster kind of freak out Mm -hmm. thing um one thing that it does that i don't care for is how towards the end it kind of devolves into this kind of like cosmic battle thing that i I don't like yeah like the exactly the cosmic showdown i that's kind of the phrase i always use and like um that's that's like the thing i don't like about it you know but um yeah it kind of devolves into this this cosmic showdown with the mother you know the representation of the mother in the house and then she's on fire and i don't care for that what I will say, though, that I do think this movie does that's original is that unlike pretty much all of the other movies that we could probably think of that deal with trauma and grief, there's no happy end. There's no reckoning with it by the end yeah. of this movie. Like, we, th- it kind of does. And I knew this was going to happen. It does this thing where it looks like she's defeated the memory, like she's faced it down and she set the, the giant mother thing on fire and now it's over and she's left the house and now she's back at her ex's house and he's going to, you know, be her safe place and all this. And then it all kind of melts away and it's like, really, he's he's the entity and they're back. at They're still at the house. Oh, she never right, got yeah. away. Right. And then she ends up killing herself in front of him. So. I think some people didn't like that ending that it was like too bleak and like, you know, I wanted it to turn out differently for her. I actually like that because I thought about that for a while and I was like, well, is what's his name? Parker Finn, the writer and director. Yeah. I was like, yeah. did he like, was he just doing a sloppy job with this? Like what is he, was he actually trying to say something or did he just kind of like end it on like a, on a random note? And the more I thought about it, I think it's like, 
I think it's like some sometimes that's just how it is in real life. Like sometimes you don't you you don't triumph over yeah. the things that plague yeah. you in your life. And like sometimes they do get the better of you. Like okay, there's well, some I, things that, that people can't overcome. And, Look at and someone Jack, like Robin Williams, who yeah. has yeah. a smile on his face mm-hmm. all the time, right? But deep down he's got demons that he pushes back. Sure. And then one day we find out, you know, he kills himself. Right. So and if Jacqueline, that's what I'm gonna go Mark back Ruffin on is getting at, then I, I appreciate that because I think that's a bold move. I think that's what the smile sort of represents, I guess. Yeah. Like how we all put a mask on sometimes when we're dealing with things. Yeah, when you're so traumatized, the only thing you can do is smile. Um, I'm going to go back on something you said, because I agree with you. Um, At the very beginning of the movie, when it goes into the cold intro, or after the cold intro, they go into her eyeball, right? They have this Mm -hmm. great shot of like going inside her eyeball. At the very end of the movie, that shot of her lighting herself on fire, and and, you see see her on fire in Joel's eyes. That's the the curse, like transitioning from victim to victim you correct know I mean? That's what to represent which is why yeah absolutely it's bleak i loved it i did not like the look of the reveal of the demon or the no the I, I thought that was just it was cheese it was a mistake <laughs> it was like i i didn't mind like the mother distorted mother version but then when it rips its face off and it's got like all these different jaws like yeah it's gross looking but it's cheesy too it looks silly the cgi like is not that good when it tries to crawl into her mouth, it was very like Deborah Logan ish. Like it just didn't look right. I understand it, but I didn't need to see the actual thing trying to climb in her mouth. Oh, see, I liked that to be honest with you. Uh, it was all right. Like Actually, I, I kind of like, like the I like I like the image of it's grabbing her face, and you see like its thumbs going in her mouth. I didn't need to actually see the side view of it like creeping down into her mouth. It just came like because if you look at her face, the CGI looks weird. She looks like kind of clay. Yeah. It does look weird. And I thought but, the entity was so much more menacing when it was in a human and it was just fucking smiling at you and creeping on you. Like, because like you don't know yeah, what it looks like. When her therapist came over. Oh, yeah, that's it. And then, like, she came over just out of the blue, but then the therapist ends up calling. Yeah. And it's just like soon. And she does this, like, like, like freaking Xenomorph. Alien 3. Yeah. Thing. It's definitely an homage to Alien 3, that scene when she's got her pinned up against the wall. And I like that actress, too, that plays the therapist. I even wrote down, I think, feel like she's kind of reassuring in that yeah. role. And then when she turns in that moment, it's, like, very effective. Mm-hmm. So the, speaking of her, that scene where the where the therapist comes to her house and then an earlier scene where Rose is on the phone with the security company after the alarm goes off and then they call to check on her. So twice in this movie, they do something that I really, really love that I find very effective and like actually freaks me out is where you have you're you're speaking with somebody either on the phone or in person that's like a reassuring presence, somebody familiar that you feel safe. But then over the co- it's subtle over the course of the conversation, they stay they start saying things that are wrong for mm. that person, like things that they shouldn't be saying, like when she's on the phone with the security lady and she's like, you know, it's okay. Are you, you know, what happened? Are you alone in the house? And she's like, yeah, I'm alone in the house. And then there's a pause and she goes, are you sure? Are you sure? Ah, look behind great, you. And then she's like, great... look behind you. What does she do? Like a white lady. She looks behind her. But, but okay. Here's, here's the thing is they, they cut that perfectly because as she's yeah. looking like the phone rings, again. the real phone rings. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and it was yeah. just like, that was cool. And then you see a cutscene to the, uh, the cops being there and, uh, What's the what's what's the dipshit's name? Trevor, the, the boyfriend, huh? Trevor, 
Trevor. See, just I like actually like the ex-boyfriend. Like yeah. Well, the dipshit, cool. the dipshit boyfriend in Candyman was also named Trevor, by the way. Was he? So, oh, okay. So don't yeah, Trevor trust was just Trevor's. like a wasted, a wasteoid. Trevor's and Chad's. Keep we out. just, we, we just, we lost all of our Trevor's. Sorry, ones. Trevor. Sorry. Sorry, um, Chad. <laughs> so, but, and then, so the moment when the therapist is over and they're having a nice conversation and then she says something that, what did she say? That's like, it just, it gives you that clue that like, she's not really who she says she is. What, what does she say? They're having a nice conversation and then she, well, it's the phone call that really cues her in. Yeah, that's that's when she starts Was that turning. It? Okay. Yeah, because yeah. she calls and she's actually speaking to the real therapist. Yeah, she's. So a, that's she... freaky. So there was a moment like that. Do you guys remember, like way back, it was like our second episode, The Night, that Persian film. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. They're like trapped in that hotel, and the, the uh -huh. husband like calls his best friend to come pick him up, and he's, and he's like talking, and it's normal, and then the best friend's like why would I do that for you? You know? And you're yeah. like, Oh wait, like, you're never going to get out of there or something like that. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. That those kinds of moments. Wah. Yeah, no, that is good. It, it, Cause you have a sense of security where like, Oh, she's on the phone with someone, somebody else is involved. They believe her. Okay. And then that person ends up being, you know, a switcheroo. Yeah. It's so deeply disturbing to me when just when, when something is just subtly not what it should be. Like, that's so effective I, for me. So there's some good moments like that with this film, but there's other moments that I do have an issue where I feel like this film telegraphs a lot also, where, I don't know, like, it shows its next move sometimes. Like, it sets up things like the security system that we know, I like, I get it, where it's going to come into play at some point. The cat and the cat food seemed very heavy-handed to me. Like, I, when oh, I was in the theater, I knew the, the cat, cat was in the fucking gift. I already knew. I'm like... <laughs> Okay. Where did it go? It was a cool scene. It's a cool scene. Don't get me wrong, but I already knew it because you telegraphed it so much. That was a dope scene, like when it happened at the birthday party. Yeah, but no, it was absolutely awesome. right, dude. I agree a hundred percent because that was telegraphed. It was just like mustache. Where mustache, could the cat have been? Yeah, obviously it's mustache, in the gift. Where are you, mustache? So I thought the cat had run away when that back door was open. I was like, oh no, the cat yeah. ran away. So then I also it also makes me think, how does this entity work? Because Laura explained it like. It's going to haunt you. It's going to break you down. It's going to assume the, uh, you know, image of other people. She never mentioned anything about it making you do things on like being possessed. Did she? Because Rose she, is she, like possessed by the thing. She's yeah, the they, one they said, box, right? Like, yeah, somebody had said that you don't remember what you did okay. a couple hours ago. Oh. You wake up and don't remember. Okay, I mean, that does make sense for, like, having a mental breakdown, too, because Which, things like that happen to people. Like, if she did it, that was, I mean... Yeah, she had to have done it. Who yeah. else could have done it? Can I just say, I love the moment where the kid, like, he doesn't scream or anything. He, he doesn't know if it's a cool gift. He pulls it out to show it. And he just, like, holds it up. It reminds yeah, me of that moment in... um. The Nightmare Before Christmas when all the kids yeah, yeah. are opening their like scary Christmas presents and uh -huh, the shrunken head. And she's like, what did you get, honey? And he's like, <laughs> just holds up the shrunken head. <laughs> it was, and, and everybody's and like, the, oh my God. The kid doesn't scream, but the mom's like, ah. I remember saying it in the theater. The person next to me must have heard me because I'm like, the cat's in the box. <laughs> They're opening the fucking gifts, and I'm like the cat in the box. You be careful who you say that like, to because that you might probably be it was probably mild sitting. Next I'm sorry. To oh, did I let the cat out of the box? I'm sorry. <laughs> what was the sister's name? Uh, Holly. Okay, I did I not like Holly until I did not like her boyfriend, her husband. Her husband was a douche, but you although know, he was, was being protective of her. Yes. Like, okay, when, but with yeah, when Rose came over, um. But I loved that talk that they had about their mom. 
you know when yeah when, they deal with their grief differently you know they do um, yeah i mean yeah. holly holly kind of ran away she it's ran away, but she's trying so hard to create like an opposite life for herself and like make her life better. But then Rose, she well, she verbalizes it herself. She's like, I tried to help other people. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And it just seemed I don't like I'm trying to find in my notes about them because I have I have an issue with the. With How about the, that jump scare with her head popping down, twisted around? Ah. <laughs> You didn't it's, like that, it, so it's jumpy. But when you, it just looks rubbery. It just like the effect. It, it looked you know? terrible, but it. Got and it's me. supposed to. I do like the like her running out and the entity doing like a thing with like a hair flip, like she would do. Like if you see the silhouette of her coming out, it looks like legitimately. Oh, her sister forgot to tell her something. She wants to apologize or it, something. So it, it looks, works and it sets it up really well. It yeah. looked cheese, but yeah, the, the way she knocks on the window and just pop and oh, whoa, okay, that got me. Oh, it looks no, dumb, but <laughs> my issue with the sister and the brother, uh, brother-in-law just seemed like they seemed very like cookie cutter, uh, and sort of like characters almost of like I don't know, like the the husband sort of like this very like subservient husband um sort of like it's like like he's supposed to be like a millennial like male nowadays which is fine i get that like there's people like this in the real world and that's fine but just the way they were portrayed just seemed like stereotypical of the way someone would write a character and i just it just didn't come across as genuine to me when they were acting i don't know if it's the writing acting or like there's some moments where certain characters just don't feel fleshed out i feel like maybe Mm -hmm. where rose is stronger even though i don't feel like the actress who plays rose is as good but she's She's good. And her character is the strongest. I felt like Joel's character was pretty strong. Trevor mm-hmm. was a wasteoid. And then like Holly and I can sympathize with Holly, but just I don't know. It was something about that relationship with her and her sister just seemed off to me. Like they were speaking like siblings might and they had the same kind of issues that you would see someone in a traumatic experience like this deal with. Like someone might go a totally different way of dealing with their grief. But just when they when they had moments together, it just kind of came off as like fake. It, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I think the dialogue. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought I thought it was cookie cutter, although I thought the brother-in-law had a really good line and it made more sense later in the movie is he he, he makes the point of, well, why don't or no, no, no. The sister does. Holly makes the point of, well, why don't you sell the house? Yeah. And the brother-in-law concurs. He's like, well, even if he can't sell it, just sell it for the land. Like yeah. to me, they, it, I looked way too much. Maybe I'm just overanalyzing it, but I looked at it as okay, Rose, get rid of your grief. Get rid of all these things yeah, no, that, true. that keep you under. But, it, you know, maybe it's just me overanalyzing it. I don't know. No, I, mean, I, that's, think that's, I think that's, I think that's giving those doing. characters too much credit. Yeah, maybe. I maybe. think they were just being dreadfully insensitive. Like, oh, why don't you just bulldoze your childhood home? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I think the film's setting that up for us. Like, that's the film's doing it. You know, the writing's trying to show us that, like, yeah, she is holding on to this childhood home. But, Jacqueline, you're right, too, with the way they deliver it. Just I don't know. There's like this facade things. that her sister has that you know is almost like fucking see through. Uh, you know, Rose sees through it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I know oh. there's people like that in real life. So it's like, I don't want to like bash on it too much. Yeah. But it just, the way it was acted just sort of seemed a little like hammy. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that Rose apologizes a lot in this movie? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. yeah. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to everybody. I do have that in my notes, John, and I, I thought about that for a while, too, because first of all, I think it's just a trait that a lot of people have, particularly mm-hmm. women, yeah. uh, that anytime we express 
negative emotions or any kind of like intensity because usually it's after like some kind of outburst or some like really intense where she's like no listen and then she's like i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm really sorry yeah and then she tries to like calm herself down and speak she does that a lot there was a, a scene where she was talking with trevor and she was like she's trying to tell him what's wrong and he's listening and he doesn't even object yet and but without him even saying anything she stops herself and she's like no you know what never mind i'm fine I'm fine. I'm really fine. I just needed to vent. And she really needs a lot more than venting. Yeah. But she stops herself. Well, I think a lot of women are are kind of like uh in in subtle and indirect ways like discouraged from like expressing their emotions sometimes in public like from like taking up too much space in other people's like consciousness. Like Oh, I'm sorry to burden you. Like, oh, I don't want to. Bur- I'm fine. I don't want to burden you with this. Like, mm-hmm. apologizing for like existing sometimes, and like for no, having not wrong. for having needs. Right. And I feel like that's maybe that's kind of like that. That's like her version of her mask. Like her smile mask is like she's really not okay. Yeah. She's she's trying to convince others that she is. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot yeah, of times like, those women that apologize have the weight of the world on their fucking shoulders. Little do we realize, you know what I mean? If you actually stop and think about it. So, and they don't want to burden someone with that. So like you said, they, they apologize automatically. Mm-hmm. If they're like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to burden anybody, but mm-hmm. yeah. I loved the way Rose kind of like took the head and decided to start investigating as unrealistic as it was. Cause she's got a lot to deal with anyways. She wants to figure out where this whole thing started. I mean, the fact that she went to the professor's wife and talked to her about it and she tries to confess to her. It's like, Hey, I've seen the same thing. And the wife is just completely offended. It's like, get the fuck yeah. out of my house. She thought she was a that. reporter at first. And I do like that scene. And we get that moment. We find out more about other victims of this. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was pretty cool the way they brought it back. But then they find the guy that murdered somebody to break the cycle. And it was like, um, that guy freaked out. That was some great acting, by the way. Get, what, yeah, you, you brought it here? here? I yeah. was waiting. I would have loved to see that scene turn out like it. the fucking entity kills him right there in front of everybody. Yeah. And everybody's like, what the fuck just happened? And then they bounce. You know what I mean? Right. I was waiting for that to happen. It didn't, but because she, she, yeah, go ahead, Jacqueline. It was interesting. Some of the kind of rules they made up for this thing, like, oh, that you can avoid your fate if you kill somebody else. No, but witness, you have to do it you know? violently. With a witness, you, have witness. you have to pass yeah. the trauma to somebody else. Yeah. yeah. And so like, those are your only two options really. And so like, that was a weird rule. And then at first I thought it was like, seven days for everybody but for some people it was four days four, so four, yeah. it wasn't like a hard and fast rule well, yeah it wasn't a hard it wasn't like it was the a loose happened. rule it was like yeah. nobody's lasted past seven days mainly yeah yeah except for this one guy and somebody in brazil possibly they said yeah i yeah and i loved the dream that she had because she was going to go kill um what's his name carl carl by the Poor way i carl. have that knife set that she has I yeah. have that exact same knife. Do you set. really? Yeah, that's I know. A, that's a great yeah, knife set, by the way. Yeah, it's nice. I got it on Amazon. I'll but put man, the, I, the link I, in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> a cut above, sponsored by Ginzu. A cut above. Um, no, I actually love that that dream because th- that was pretty much right after she went to go visit the the prisoner guy. Yeah, and and she has that dream that she goes to kill Carl, and then Cal Penn, This was silly. Cal Penn rips off his face. That I love what great. 
I thought that was I, great. What was silly was, so was right I before that it. was like when they cut him and he's screaming. And he's like, ah, yeah, ah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just everybody in the rooms just screaming their heads off. And there was another say, jump like, scare because Cal Penn, like, Cal actually, yeah, Cal Penn actually went out there. He's like, uh, Rose, you shouldn't be alone. Let's go inside. What did Let's you go think talk. about Cal Penn in that role? I thought yeah, it was I like, thought it was I right. thought he deserved a, um, I think I thought he deserved like more of a role. It was like too yeah. small of a character for him. I think he's too good for that. He seemed yeah, genuine. I, I like disagree. their relationship seemed genuine. Like he did yeah. honestly care about her as a coworker, as a he, colleague. Yeah. He seemed like a very caring boss. I mean, I, I think we just saw him enough, yeah. you know, especially that last scene with him of like, like, Rose, you shouldn't be alone right now. Let's go up and yeah, talk. Let's let's. He really wanted let's, to help. I was yeah, just. I kept waiting for him, like when the door closed, for him to pull out the evil bong and just start hitting it. Though I was just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fun side note: I am two degrees of separation from Cal Penn. Really? Really? Yeah, I went to college. Uh, I'm friends. I, I have a friend from college who's his brother. Wow. Yeah, I'm friends with his brother. We haven't talked in a while. We weren't like close That's friends. That's like but, one you know. degree. No, yeah, I guess it is. No, like, sorry. Meet, meet a friend and friend to brother. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's awesome. So then you have like six degrees, like less than six degrees to Kevin Bacon because his I daughter is in this movie. That's my, okay. So me to my friend, to his brother, to Alpine, the girl yeah, so, plays Rose, to Kevin. Yeah, so that's five degrees. To, wow. Oh, nice. Jacqueline, you lucky gal. Yep, I got it. Maybe we can get him on the show. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get in so, touch with him right now. What did you think of the of the ex-boyfriend? Like, um, I thought he was a decent enough character. You know, he's a cop. He plays like, I don't know, his role definitely helps her out with the investigation part. And I he was, it was a, he was a little too willing to give that information up as a cop. Yeah, I mean, he, you really got to protect. He that. was. Yeah, he I was does, like, is that ethical? You can tell he does. So. He hasn't let go of her at, since they True. broke up. You, you find out later that like there's a reason because they never actually like fell apart. It was like she pushed him away. Right, because they got too close, so they 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 did have a good relationship, but it was just too much for her to. It was she didn't want to break down her walls. Right, she said yeah. it, it felt like it was breaking down, but then yeah. I pushed you away. But early on in the movie, when 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 they have that interaction at the hospital, when he comes, he's like, "Oh, I was in the neighborhood." And yeah, they I, you know, paint we him as a guy who's like can't let go. I, well, no, I thought that the way that she treated him, she was very icy to him. And so I thought he must have done something yeah, bad. Yeah, so did I. So until we got to that scene where she, like, confessed about her putting walls up and then her being afraid and pushing him away, I was, like, just thinking of him automatically as, like, my image of him was tainted. I was, like, oh, he must be an asshole of some sort. That's and so I was like kind of, like... Me. I was kind of like prejudiced against him. And then they had that conversation where she's like, oh, I just, you know, got afraid and pushed you away. And I was like, oh, he's really good. Like, I did kind of think it was reasonable. That. Yeah. I did kind of think it was reasonable for her to run to him in a sense for help, because like we touched on, like Trevor was just so uh, like he abandoned her. Like as soon as shit hit the fan, he heard the word ghost and he was out. And then, uh, honestly, like I get it. Like you think your fiance might have killed your cat. But bro, like give her the benefit of the doubt. Mr. Mustache. <laughs> Here, here's what i thought it, and it, it was two great scenes because um you know they were almost identical because they were in the car so trevor was just like because she she asked trevor to say something after she reveals all this stuff and he's just like i don't know what to say let's go inside because Whereas in his Joel, mind all he's thinking about how she's messed up his fucking you know five years exactly plan, right exactly right life. like but joel joel was it. like listen i just need a second here to think about it so yeah, yeah. what you're telling me you know he's repeating back to her of what what she is telling him so active what do you listening think? Yeah. yeah 
And then after she left, he perceived to he started to investigate even further on exactly. his own, which is how they found out there was a line of how much it affected people, her. At least. 19 people. Yeah. Maybe he didn't believe the situation at first, but he believed how much she believed in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and he loves her. So he was like, I got to figure out why she's so bothered by this. Well, and it's and good cop work, too. It's not yeah. some some dip dipshit cop like just throwing it in he's like well there's something weird here because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this person was interviewed because they saw uh, a suicide and that person previous got interviewed and he's like dude this yeah, line goes back 19 to, people yeah it's starting to seem real fishy and make sense in, in the, like, right. the weirdest way and i like that he wasn't the savior he didn't he didn't kick down the door and save the fucking day he tried to if anything he fucked things up by showing up there because yeah. she did have some kind of understanding of how to beat this thing, maybe. But you can't isolate yourself forever. No. You know. Yeah. And so it's, it's kind of it's kind of a bummer that now he's like the cursed one. Yeah, and I would yeah. almost want to see like how he does because he does have a better knowledge of what's going on off the bat. Like he knows how it works. Well, mm-hmm. stay tuned for Smile Two Electric Boogaloo. Oh. <laughs> it's smiling. That always gets me, John. The smiling. Oh, that's good. Oh, oh yeah. y'all are funny. Smile to Electric Boogaloo, aka the smiling smidge. Oh my god! All right, well, you guys, you guys. I thought you were going to say the Smurf. Smurf. The next movie, Smirk. We did mention the inmate, Um, and although I do like that scene, it it was another the ride to see the inmate, and as well as the inmate interaction there's a mo- there's moments right there where the film's just sort of info dumping on you it, d- it does a lot of uh telling and not showing mm. you know what i mean uh yes. where it's just like the inmate kind of just tells you how the fucking things work she tells the she tells joel in the car how everything kind of works and she even calls it an entity which to me is like that's sort of what us the audience calls it because we don't know what it is you know how many times in the in the movie where I feel like she should have had more confusion about really what she's dealing with, where she seemed pretty like, oh no, this is totally what it is. It's a thing that comes after you, and blah blah blah. It's like, all right, we get it. Like, I don't know, leave a little mystery to it. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, it kind of it kind of ruined the the I don't know the sense of dread in for a little bit for me. Yeah, like as a character, she shouldn't be able to like put yeah, so fine like- a point on it. Like when you watch the ring, they're starting to nail down what they're doing, but they still don't fucking understand it. You know what I mean? But they're sort of realizing like, yo, this little girl is like fucking with these tapes and these tapes are like being passed around. And like, but they never actually come out and say, well, there is trauma on these tapes and the trauma itself is what's what's causing all the killings and it's haunting people down. And then seven, like it's, you know, it's just all in your face with this one. It's kind mm-hmm. of just laid out right in front of you. That's one thing I didn't like. I thought it was a little sloppy. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the character that played the prisoner uh, really info dumped on you because he he says specifically, you have to make it the most traumatic killing ever. That's how I got away from it. Yeah. Like, how do you know all that? You know, like, I get it. Like, I liked his character. I liked what the moment sure. that they had together. But yeah. also there was a negative of just like, you're just telling, you're, you're not showing me. You're just telling me everything. I agree with you guys, and that's why I think that this movie is not going to hold up as well no, as some definitely. other movies of this time. I mean, I think it'll be, like, I think we'll still remember it, you know, 20 years from now, but it's not going to be a classic. It's not going to be a Babadook. It's no. not even going to be a Sinister, you know? It's, it's a it's... two-hour film, so I feel like you could have told that story a little bit. I mean, I think I it's too long. Yeah. Agreed. I think it's too long. And when I saw the runtime, I was like, oh, really? Ooh. <laughs> But, and the ending know. just doesn't help it out. I don't like there's parts of the ending I do like, and there's parts of it I don't. You know, yeah. it's kind of just kind of 
speaks how the, the rest of the film hits me. Yeah. Well, shall we go ahead and just uh, give our final ratings on this? Certainly. Sure. All right, John, it's your pick. Yes, yes. Um, man, uh, I actually really enjoyed almost all of the acting. I, I, I agree, Heidelberg. I think the uh, sister and the brother-in-law kind of play cookie-cutter type characters however the sister has this kind of nice arc where you find out why she left because she called her mom a monster when uh rose had that interaction with her mom the the entity of her mom she called her a monster that's why she didn't save her life because we didn't talk about that she had the opportunity to save her life or make a phone call to to mention it yeah possibly save her life um i thought that was a great story i thought that was a great backstory between her and her sister and what they had to go through with the mom my curious thing is where's the dad well he's in the picture they they pan over and we see pictures of him two pictures with him at the family and then the next two pictures are just the mom so we're led to believe that at some point he either died or what i don't know like yeah you don't know we don't even see the that's a good point like you didn't even get a mention yeah yeah, that could have added to her trauma you know, yeah. Um, I, my assumption is that the mom was very mentally unhealthy, and maybe the dad just left. I, I, maybe I don't he know pieced that. out just like Trevor too, and like that's why yeah. fucking Rose goes after a man who's like that. Also, could have been got that sort of instilled in her to like you know look for a guy like her dad. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the acting was spot on. Again, the the Laura character was my favorite. I I just as little as that we got from her, we got enough. We just that that set the ball rolling for this movie. So I thought she was fantastic. All the rest of the characters were really good. Uh, the score, like we've talked about before, was just spot on. I mean, just the feeling of it. Um, I haven't seen a movie with that many jump scares that were effective in a long, long time. So I like that. Some of the camera shots, uh, it's kind of iffy. You know, we've been seeing a lot of upside down. Let's try to make it look like a smile. I mean, the subtleties are are what do it. You know, a smile on a coffee cup or on a on a pain chart in a hospital or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um I thought the cat scene was great. It was set up very weakly, though, because it's like, yeah. hey, kitty, kitty, uh, you're not going to make it through the movie. And it sucks because <laughs> I hate seeing animals die in a movie. But it paid off at the birthday party, you know, when the little boy picks it up and it's just people are freaking the fuck out. And she gets thrown into the uh, into the glass table, which was pretty cool. And it just Nobody adds... even helps her. Huh? Like, no, yeah, nobody see, does. Nobody she just stands up. Like, and I she's guess just she's like, bugging out, but like. She fell through a glass table. Not a single guy, not a single woman, anybody there was like, hey, can I help you up? Or like, <laughs> pick some of this glass out of your Everybody's just in awe please, what's please. going on. And I get that. Maybe that's speaking on our society in general, just how we watch sometimes instead of well, acting. At least at least Holly was at the at the hospital there. Yeah. Uh, even even if she was just traumatized by what her sister just did to her son. Yeah. Holly was there. That. Trevor showed up and had this argument and left. He he peaced out. <laughs> um Let's see. Uh, did I mention the gore? I love the no. gore. I thought the gore was actually very effective, you know? Um, jump scares. The end. I, I like the relationship between Rose and Joel, even though it's not very ethical to share police <laughs> information with a civilian. Um, I thought it was very cool the way he did that. He did listen to her. Um, the reveal of the entity... It's not good. It's really not that good. I mean, there were some kind of cool, scary things about it, but 
the very, very, very end of the movie where she lights herself on fire with kerosene and you see it in Joel's eyes. Oh my yeah, gosh, that was shot. fantastic. And like Jacqueline said, I, you know, I think those, I think those uh, uh, little curveballs that you get of like the security, uh, security company calling saying, Hey, okay. So what's your password? Is there anybody in the house? Are you sure? <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I don't know. I'll let you guys go. I'm going to give this a, uh, it was really good. It was such a good movie. Uh, 8.5 out of 10 cats in the box. <laughs> What's in the box, John? What's in the box? What's in the box? Mustache rides. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh, Mr. Mustache rides. <laughs> Mr. Mustache. Oh, God. Hydraberg, give us your review. The cats in the cradle and the silver. Oh, very nicely done. Uh, yeah, so for me, some pros here for Smile. Uh, this was one of those, uh, one of the more enjoyable theater experiences I had this year. Um, you know, it was a year of getting back into the theater, and I've seen a, a pretty decent amount of movies with my Regal Pass, and this was one of them. And it was a, it was a fun ride. Um, the jump scares definitely hit in the theater, and I definitely enjoyed the ride. Um, the movie's pretty well made. There, like. It's got some good jump scares that I feel like do feel earned. Um, I feel like they they won't get super old with repeat viewings. But there are other things that keep this film from me wanting to repeat the viewings. I don't know. I think the atmosphere is really creepy. Uh, the use of the smiles on things other than just people in the film. Like the people with smiles is creepy as fuck. But the the use of it in other things like where she just kind of can't get away from it because it's just there. And, you know, it's it, wherever you look, there's going to be something with like a smile that resembles a smile. So, yeah, I, I thought that was a nice touch. I really enjoyed the score as well. I thought it was very creepy. I thought the cinematography and the editing were, for the most part, really well done. I do think the upside down, upside down shots and the wide angles, they were nice, but they were used too much. Mm. You know, uh, I do. I, I like an upside down shot here and there, you know, but he did it when we when we see the mom. He twirled the camera. He twirls the camera every time they're going to a location. And it was just too much for me. Um, I'm curious. How so, was that in the theater? Was that? Not nauseating, was, dizzy. Cool. Like not, that doesn't bother me. I don't know. Oh, okay. None of that stuff really bothers me. But I could, if it does bother you, I could see that being annoying because this film does it like five times. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've seen this a lot in films nowadays too. Like drones are so new to using as camera shots. Like we, they no longer do those like helicopter shots we used to get a lot in films. Now we just use drones. But there's sometimes where you could just tell they're using a drone and it kind of takes you out of it, or they rely on it too much because it's so easy to fly low and get a cool shot, which I get. But sometimes it's like just, I don't know, edit into a real camera and then pan in. Uh, John, you made some great you, you touched on some great things uh, as far as like pros that were good. I thought the acting mostly was good for some of the characters, but it is an issue also. Um, I thought the effects were lacking in this film as far as cons. The sister's head twisting just didn't really do it for me. Like it was just rubbery looking like I like the build up to that part. But it just didn't, I don't know. It's not like people's heads just don't do that. Like, I don't know. I could like, it scared her for a moment. What was more scary was that like, it wasn't there. She bugs out. And then we see the nephew like watching through the window. And I was waiting for the entity to somehow touch this kid. But I guess seeing a you know, pulling a dead cat out of his gift was enough for that. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, pretty bird. I was waiting for him to like stop petting it. Pretty cat. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, 
so yeah, some of the CGI just looks a little iffy to me. The the entity taking its human it's like in human form smiling, very effective. Because you have no idea really what's behind it. But like pulling back the curtain ruined it for me personally. Like in the end, it's so like especially the ending. It just I don't know. It just it's not as effective. Like you said, that cosmic showdown just doesn't work. It, you can pull that off in certain films, but it's a it is a trope nowadays. And like it's gotta be an epic showdown if you're gonna do it. And there's gotta be some stakes. And I just didn't feel that as much. At the very end, you do though. Like once she kills herself, I thought that was very satisfactory. Like I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the camera shot, like you said, John, of the image in Joel's eye. I thought that was and cutting on that as the last scene, that was good filmmaking. Like that kind of redeems it a little bit. Um Rose's fiance, just a wasted character. Uh, <laughs> It just really served little purpose. Like their relationship just felt hollow as fuck too. And his acting felt hollow as well. I just like, I don't know. He just felt like a bit character. That's like bit to the, to the fucking extreme. Uh, the film also just telegraphs a lot, man. Like there's jump scares. Yeah. But there's some, some of the things that should be like surprising that you can kind of see coming. Um, it just kind of sets them up in an obvious manner, at least for like, I don't know. They show the cat food a lot. They show the security system. Like, I know those are going to play in later. I feel like for me, I mean, we're we're like seasoned vets now, right? When it comes to films and movies like this. And like, this is this would be a really good entry level uh, scary film. I feel like even though it's rated R, I feel like you can get people that aren't necessarily into horror movies into this. But for some of us, like we see those things coming. We've seen them done before. So I don't know. Um, and like I said before, it's a tell don't show sort of film at its core and that's kind of bad you know um it's it has the lore is pretty interesting but it tells you so much of it without showing you how it works and it's a long film so like i feel like you had enough time to do that you didn't need to just have these info dumps on car rides and i don't know and like i said i don't think it's a film a bad film by any means but it's just not great and it could have been it's missing that it's it's got a lot of the elements that you want in a horror film but it's missing that little sprinkle of magic that that elevates a film for me to like an 8.5 or a nine. So for me, with all that said, I'm giving uh, Parker Finn's smile from 2022. I'm giving 6.5 out of 10 cats in the box. Or is it cats right. out of the box? <laughs> Either one. Cats in the box. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Hyderberg, like you, I, I, I've shared, well, both of you, I shared a, a lot of your thoughts. Uh, let me just skim through my notes real quick and see if there's anything major that we didn't touch on. Uh, does anybody feel like uh, Sosie Bacon looks a little bit like a young Barbara Hershey? I, I thought that. certain scenes she did. I thought she looked a little like a like a young Barbara Hershey. I think um, when she was traumatized, she did. Mm, she, mm-hmm. she 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 got she had two different looks where she was made up and then where she was really traumatized. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I thought there was like something there when she looked kind of haggard and exhausted. Not that yeah. Barbara, like Barbara Hershey is a beautiful woman. I'm not saying absolutely, that, but it just made her look a little older. And we just saw Barbara, you know, in an older version of Barbara mm-hmm. uh, last week in Black yep. Swan. So it kind of, you know, I don't know. I felt a little connection between the two. Um, Hyderberg, you didn't like the the twirling of the camera and the twisting and all that. Um it didn't bother me some. I don't feel like it added much. It didn't bother me though. So that's kind of a neutral uh, net for me. But I did feel like there were moments when the camera was just a little off kilter. It didn't necessarily do the spinning thing, but it was just like a little off kilter on whatever it was um, looking at. And I did think that was kind of nice to suggest that just something's wrong. Things are not as they should be. I, I thought 
using a sparing touch of that was effective. Um, I will say, oh, so I agree that there's great atmosphere in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like I watched it in the pitch dark alone, you know, late at night and it, it was a good atmosphere. Like this woman does not put any lights on in her house, Mm -hmm. which is stupid, but makes the movie look scary. You know, it, it did create some feelings of dread in me you know there's corners that you can't see around and doorways that you can't see into and you know she definitely does that horror movie thing of keeping her house way too dark for no reason um i agree that a lot of the jump scares were good there were a lot of genuinely creepy moments i thought that um there were some really effective uses of just like gore and jump scares um i was impressed at certain moments that it went as far as it did like the cutting of the throat and the stabbing of carl and the ripping the faces off you guys didn't like the face ripping i i loved it actually i, I was like it. oh shit the like i didn't have looked a little cgi you could tell but i think what took me out of it jacqueline is what heidelberg said is just like the way cal penn was like going yeah yeah it's like one of those um, movie moments that pans to one guy and they show him screaming, and then we go back to the other guy and he's still screaming. And <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was, I, know, I mean, that's if you didn't understand it before, you understand in that moment that this is like a dream or a yeah. hallucination. But um, at the end, you know, Hydraberg, I I agree and disagree with you about the very end. You're right. I don't like the cosmic showdown, the kind of actiony battle or whatever. I don't care for that. Um, I don't like it when movies devolve into that. But I do like the very final part where the mother like pulls off all her skin and like reveals her true self and then climbs into Rose's mouth. Like, I agree that the like effects don't look great, but I do like the concept of like taking off this human skin and being in its true form and then literally physically getting into her mouth um and i feel like that's how it gets into you because you know we've Mm -hmm. kind of been told you're right there's a lot of telling and not showing but there's we're told that like all this time that it's like haunting you or whatever you're still you you're trying to fend it off but at the very last moment before you die that moment happens once it has finally entered you and so when we see laura die like she's kind of like this like with her mouth wide open like and so it almost makes me think like that's the moment like it looks like you're screaming, but maybe that's yeah, really yeah. the moment where the thing finally gets into you, and that's how it does it. I don't know. I would have loved like to that, see it go in ass first, like try to step in, <laughs> like hind legs first, <laughs> then that climb into it, like put on an outfit or something. I <laughs> like that idea, Jacqueline, because what it is is it, it's like you're at the you're most vulnerable. That's when it could t- consume you or become yeah. you and mm-hmm. end your life. So that's yeah, interesting. And it's like it's like literally inside of you. It's like part of right, you, and so right. it's like, it's where it's wearing you now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I actually did like that. I agree that the effects didn't look great, but the concept of it, I really did like. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah. I'll just I'll say that. Um, let's see. Already said that. Already said that. Oh, there's one. There's one thing I didn't love. So the the birthday party scene. First of all, I was like, oh, we have a birthday party. She has to have some kind of like epic freak out or something at the birthday party. And then I feel we were richly rewarded with the dead cat. That was good. Yeah. But before the dead cat thing, I feel like she's already way too hysterical and like fucked up for what has happened to her so far. Because if you like think back of what's happened 
by the time she goes to the birthday party, like, not that much bad stuff has happened to her, but she seems like she's already out of her fucking mind. So, like, she's seen the smiling entity in, like, the reflection of her fridge. She sees that, like, for a few moments, and then I think... That's what it was, right? It was Laura? Yeah. Yeah. Or no, I think that was the mother. Was it Laura or was it the mother? No, it was Laura. It was Laura, Laura just, just smiling at her. There was a glare on my TV, so maybe I just okay. couldn't see it. Uh, and then, like, the, the fiancé comes home, and then, like, she doesn't see it anymore. And then she's... There was... I forget who it was, but she saw one more smiling person. And then she... There was the thing with the back door being open and the person on the phone, right? With, like, that you, she thinks yep. it's security, and then There's it's the not. There's the freak out then, with the knife where Trevor comes running into the room, and she's got the knife in her hand. Was that the before the birthday party? Yeah, but that that's where yeah. she's listening back to uh, the session that she's having with Laura, and she hears that sound, and then yeah, uh, she, Laura goes up to her and goes, Rose, and then freaks her was. out. Yeah. She she grabs the knife. That was one know. of the effective jump scares. I just don't think that was, like, enough for her to be, like, totally off her rocker by that point. And, like, she's, like, sh- her hands are shaking, and she's, like, that was she one can, of like, my... barely speak. And, sh- I mean, she's just, like, a total her mess. Her acting of, like, being like a was... total mess, like, shaking all the time, just, I don't know, it just seemed a little off. I guess I'll just say I feel like she went from zero to 60. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like it should have been a little more gradual, but she was, like, she went too hard too soon with the with the hysteria. I'm just... I thought Did the moment like of her that trying to get real... ready for the birthday party was interesting, though. Like, she's trying to put makeup on and, like... Yeah. And then, and then smile, she, but she's shaky at that smile. moment. Yeah, and she's yeah. trying to smile, and that's like that's sort of what's what the film's trying to tell us is like you know yeah, she's smiling even though all this shit's going on. Yeah, uh, you know what I loved is the sound while they're singing "Happy Birthday." That kind of drone sound. That... I like the. There's a couple moments where the the sound muffles out because yeah. she's so yeah. in her headspace. I, I I dig that when a film does that. Yeah. So okay, so I'll I'll officially get to like my pros and cons now. So pros, I do feel like it definitely gets under your skin, or at least for me, again, some of those creepy, subtle moments, like those work well for me, but also the jump scares, like the big, obvious moments, those those work for me. Like I felt dread. I felt dread during a big part of it. And Joey was still up when I um when I finished the movie and I went and I was like, oh, that was that was scary. I felt like it was a, that was a scary movie. You know, like that doesn't always happen. So uh, I like I liked concept again, like kind of like the 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 like reveal of the monster or the entity it's like i like the concept maybe not so much the execution but the concept that like this is like your trauma that you have to face but you can't really escape it and like if you don't if it's too much for you to deal with you're gonna like pass it on to other people you know like generational cycle Mm -hmm. trauma like it's like the idea of passing it on you know um we already talked about the score i really liked the music i thought the production value was good especially for the lowish budget yeah um, i thought it looked pretty slick and this was originally intended to be direct to streaming on like paramount i think really? um but then test audiences liked it so much that then they decided to do a theater release and i'm really glad because it feels like a movie that deserves a theater release i didn't see it in the theaters but hyderberg it sounds like your experience in the theater was pretty no it was, good, a, so. it was a fun theater experience yeah, it didn't look like cheap. I thought it, it, you know, it had a good polished look to it. Um, I think it has enough unique. It's not a totally, I agree that it has some generic qualities to it, but it's not so generic that we're going to forget about it by next year. I don't think. I think like we'll still remember this, but I don't think it's going to be like 
an all-time classic. Right. Um, but it, it does it does do some things well. Um, I like I like the idea that when you have this curse on you or whatever, it's like I like the idea that you can lose time, like you can lose portions of self awareness, like when she must have killed the cat, you know. And I feel like sometimes if you're processing grief or dealing with trauma or something you can lose track of yourself and like not be aware like you kind of lose sometimes like if you're really struggling you know you you kind of like neglect your self-care and neglect your responsibilities and neglect your relationships and it kind of like falls apart and so I feel like I don't know maybe that's kind of a a metaphor for that I also love the little easter eggs like the smile on the pain chart and the coffee mug with the smile I thought those were those were good little things one that I noticed is that there's a moment when she's talking to her fiance on the phone and like the tiny little picture of him at the top there's one like at first it's just like a normal picture of him but then like it cuts away and then when it cuts back it's him smiling oh shit I didn't notice that I didn't see that either the little photo oh it's like on his iPhone icon or whatever (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. oh that's interesting yeah that's that's a cool touch I didn't notice that yeah there were there were there were some I thought those were really good um cons i've already said i don't like the actiony cosmic showdown um i already said how i felt like the the trauma thing is kind of like trendy nowadays and so it's it just doesn't do it in as original a way as some of these other films like specifically i would say babadook yeah um but overall i enjoyed this film i'm glad i watched it uh it's not gonna be like a high rewatch for me but i would definitely recommend it to others like i said i think it's a crowd pleaser i agree that it's a good entry into horror like you could get somebody who maybe doesn't love horror but is willing to try it once in a while like show them this and i feel like they could go for it and maybe not be so put off by like kind of some of the derivative stuff you know Mm -hmm. like you said john like we're seasoned by now it's like um so overall it's good it's not like spectacular, but it's good. I'm gonna give it seven out of ten cats in the box. That's where I figured you were coming in. Yeah. So that's that. We, cool. were, we were in the same we were in the same range, I think. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. You guys want to hear some trivia? Oh, absolutely. All right. I know one. Yeah? You want why don't you do the first one, Hydroberg? Well, John, the reason that Laura was so good at delivering the her lines and that part of the of her role is because the, there's a short film that I asked you guys to watch called Laura, Laura hasn't slept mm-hmm. and it's the same actress who plays Laura. Same exact actress. Yeah. And talk she's about good in that also. I liked her delivery in that. It, it, her delivery here is a little different, mm-hmm. but it's similar. Yeah. Hydra, I'm glad you told long. us about that. Cause I hadn't been aware of that until this afternoon. So apparently and I did that was it. out, I think a while ago. And then they, I, from what I understand, they might've pulled it from YouTube when the film came out. Cause they didn't want people to see it yet. And they kind of want, I think, wanted to either add it in with the special features when the disc drops or they they release it now again. Like the director has that little commentary right before it to introduce it. So, yeah. You, yeah, can, see you could see where he really held true to that short in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And th- this, this film is played with some of the issues that you get from these films that are based on shorts first. You know what I mean? Where it's like, Sometimes tough to nail a full length feature film based around a 20 minute short that is very like lights out. You know what I mean? Like a film like that. I think this film does pretty well at that. You know, I do have issues with it, but, you know, it is a fun to fun, scary ride. Um, And I think some of the issues that we have come from that, you know, it's not written from 
start to finish as a full length feature. It was sort of like, well, let me take this short that I had an idea for and turn it into a feature film. Yeah. Expanding it from that original like nugget. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Another, I think, notable thing about this movie was the marketing campaign around it, Mm -hmm. which is I haven't seen anything like this before, but uh, a couple of days before its theater release date, actors from the film showed up at various baseball games, sitting behind home plate, just sitting still and staring directly into cameras while just smiling creepily. And that's just what they did. I don't know. Were they actors from the movie or just like actors that they chose to kind of like... It says actors from the film. I'm pretty sure like Laura. I'm pretty sure Laura was one of them. I I I think she was. And I think the woman from the birthday party might have been one of them also. Oh, really? Yeah, because she was pretty creepy when she was in the... The way she gets in her face all of a sudden, too. Like, she turns, and then next thing you know, she's, like, standing right in front of her. Yeah, and so I, I feel like that's a good... So, like, fans at the baseball games were getting, like, freaked out by these people because they stayed in character. Yeah. And people were like... And I don't think a lot of people weren't aware that this had anything to do with a film, so they just sort of like, what the fuck is this person doing? That right. is so, so brilliant. Oh, my gosh. It was. I, it was, I, yeah. I think that's hilarious. Oh they were my wearing gosh. t-shirts that said and- smile. I think the combination Just, of that, uh, this being like a good year to get back into going to the movies, as well as this being a very entry level sort of film. That's why I think it was such a hit and did so well uh, monetarily, I think, especially with that marketing. Yeah. People were just sure. like, I got to see what this movie's about. Yeah. I, I mean, that would hook me. if I was yeah. like, oh, my gosh, what's going on here? People watch baseball. So, yeah. Oh, another appeared in the background with the crowd during the Today Show, which I think is even better. Wow. <laughs> that's so, like, wholesome. That's a and, bigger like, audience, you know. too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, so I, I think that's great. Like, I think a, sometimes a good marketing campaign can totally make a film. Like, it can Absolutely. totally be the key to its success. You spend so much money on that. You know, like, why not try and do something original with that's it? That's what they call guerrilla marketing. You spend a couple, yeah. well, I mean, you're going to spend a hundred bucks to get a ticket behind home plate, but like, you can go to yeah. today's show anytime you want to and just sit there and smile in the background. <laughs> a shirt. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I think that was pretty brilliant. And I, th- I think that's an interesting. There was uh, one person at the Lakers game, just smiling. They thought it had to do with the movie, but it was just Jack Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> well done. That's funny. Uh, Parker Finn told the actors who would be smiling in the film that he wanted dead eyes that do not match an incredibly uncomfortable, wide, tooth-bearing smile, that it was meant to feel predatory in nature. I would agree with that. I think that's what makes Agreed. it creepiest, is that, like, the eyes don't match the smile. You know? I think, like, when, yeah, exactly. And then when they pan to somebody who's already smiling, it's creepy. But, like, some of them, like, with the therapist, when you see her smile build on her face, it's even more effective because it's, yeah. like, just starts growing on her face. It's like taking over her face. And you're yeah. like, oh shit. I thought the most effective one was Laura's. Laura's was just like that that was like, oh shit. Cause it got completely silent. And I went, oh damn. That cool. room, the way it's shot. Yeah. It's supposed to be like, oh, you're comfortable, sit down on these rubbery chairs. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're here in a, you know, it's a sense of tranquility. You can talk to me. And then yeah, that moment it breaks and just Laura's just fucking nuts all of a sudden. Yeah. I like the one with Carl where she's just like walking down the hallway and she passes his oh, room yeah. and yeah, it's blurry, it. but you can tell that he's smiling and she's like, whoa, and then backs up and then you get like the close up of his face. And that that one was freaky. To We're me. all going to die. We're all going to die. They're going to die. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that, that was good. Um, die. What? I'm going to die. <laughs> God. 
I'm not going to sleep tonight. Uh, so the budget for the movie was 17 million. Mm. Worldwide, it grossed 216 million. Wow. I'd say that was a success. Yeah, did I read? I did not. I did not read this here. But did I hear? I don't know if you guys heard this too. That this was like the most, like the highest grossing horror film of the year. Is that? I did true? hear did that. Did I just make that up? I could see that. Well, even Nope didn't match because he had a what, like a sixty million dollar budget. Maybe yeah, like that was 80. a lot. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I don't know about the net, but I just mean grossing. Like, I, oh, I, thought, I, I thought I heard that this was the highest grossing yeah, horror easily. film of the year. So I'm I'm glad yeah. it succeeded. You know, I think it deserved. I think it deserved that. So, um, that was very good. It's no Terrifier two, but it it was not actually. I I enjoyed Terrifier two more than this. Yeah. But when asked if the smile curse is beatable. Or is the fight to stop it hopeless? Because we see how Rose's story ends up in this like chain of people before her. But you think throughout the movie, like maybe she's going to find a way to beat it. Kind of like in the ring, you know, yeah. spoiler for the ring. But you think that she's going to find a way to beat it, right? Because she's our protagonist and we're following her. So it's interesting. But does that does the fact that she, our protagonist doesn't beat it, does that mean it can't be beaten or just that she didn't happen to beat it? So. When asked this, writer and director Parker Finn revealed, it's a good question. I like to think that this thing, it sort of enjoys toying with its victims and being as elusive and slippery as possible. I like to think there probably is a way to beat it, but I don't know. I mean, it's also quite inescapable. It kind of sounds like this thing that he's created, it's like he doesn't have ownership of it anymore. Like, it's like a thing that, like, its story is somehow written out in the ether and he just brought it to life. But like, like, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I think so. so like that guy beat it in a sense, but at what cost? He's locked up in jail for the rest of his life. Right. In, in prison, but right? he needed so, somebody else there to. Yeah, he had to the pass trauma. it on to somebody else. And even like with the ring, like we mentioned, like, OK, so so and so passes, you know, she's OK. But at what cost she loses someone she cares about. So yeah. there's always a victim. Yeah. It just finds a new one. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe you beat it, but no, it's not unbeatable. Yeah. You have to like harm somebody else to yeah. Free so yourself. there's always going to be a victim at some at some cost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Much like trauma. Yeah. You know. Uh, I I think this is interesting. Uh, so Rose's problems often fall on deaf ears, and she ends up severely isolating herself. So it's kind of like I feel like this thing that's supernatural that she's trying to describe. I. I think what they're saying here is that like it kind of represents how people who are suffering with mental illness, yeah. they may try to reach out for help, but people either don't want to help or they don't understand or they don't believe them or like, oh, you're fine. And so it's just it's like an interesting parallel, like much how we- much like how those with mental illness is crying for help and being sp- spurned by family or friends. They're ignored at best or judged at worst. Yeah. And you're afraid to admit what you're dealing with because a you don't maybe understand how to how to explain it. Without mm-hmm. seeming crazy or, you know what I mean? Or like you said, getting judged even by those closest to you. So mm-hmm. in that effort, I could see like this film does achieve that as far as, um, you know, being a, a metaphor for mental health. Mm-hmm. It's like she has all the tools at her disposal and yet she still can't and find a way a, out of this. This is her. This is her avenue of like, this is her career. This is what she's mm-hmm. specialized in. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even she's afflicted by it. Yeah. And so like in the real world, you know, they're like, if you're struggling with such and such, or if you're having this or that, like, call this hotline, reach out to trusted friends and, you know, reach out for help. Don't don't go through it alone. Like you're not alone. Pe- there are people out there for you. Well, what if you do like throw out that lifeline? Like what if you do reach out for help and 
nobody nobody like answers the call like no what if nobody actually helps you like you've done what you're supposed to do and there's no there's still no like answer for you anyway it's just i thought that i thought that was a good metaphor Mm -hmm. okay i have two more parker finn says that the face is a true look at the evil thing that's been hiding behind all the smiles they called the entity lollipop that's why reason. they used the f and song at the end of the movie exactly exactly okay i was and wondering so, why they i'm like that is so random it was almost like they used a inner Sand, or uh not inner sandman mr sandman at the end of halloween too yeah <laughs> yeah 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 so i just thought that was kind of funny that they called it lollipop so because of the tongues yeah and uh well, last one the premise of this film <laughs> resembles a short story by hg wells where a man kills a native man in a rural place and has visions of his grinning head always looking at him wherever he goes, something which no one else sees, and ends up killing himself. The story is called Pollock and the Poro Man. Huh. So I haven't read that, but it sounds good. Yeah, it does sound good. It sounds like, his, it sounds like guilt haunting him in that one. Yeah, I was just yep. going to say it reminds me of the Telltale Heart. Yes. So yes. like her guilt, we didn't really touch on it too much, but John, you did about like how we're 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 led to believe that like she just walked in on her mother dying but we find out that her she there was a moment she could have saved her mother and she backs off because of what she was going through like she just because that was a flashback that wasn't like a vision that she was having yeah, that was no a that flashback was her, that's cause... really what happened and right. then so mm-hmm. i feel like she's been carrying this guilt forever which would explain what well, maybe why she does apologize all the time because she's apologizing ultimately for her guilt towards letting her mother die mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of just affected her personality over time and how she's deals with people on a day-to-day basis yeah yeah yep. well so that's it for trivia that's all i that got awesome. so i guess that you... wraps up smile yeah i'm just so glad you answered the lollipop question because i was like why the fuck what are the they hell? playing this song now we know yeah. yep. i did like the cre- end credits too though like the, the everything looked like it turned into a little bit of a smile yeah. oh a i didn't notice i turned it off yeah yeah oh i like Great. the title card yeah so did i with the font like in big letters and it's like flashing different color lights yeah it was kind of weird and it comes in later like john said it's like a cold open and then we get the title i love anything that does a like cold opens are cool i know they're so cool there's some films that do it really well maybe we'll talk about a pretty epic one next month oh really you boys know what i'm talking about i know (laughs) wow Wow. Wow. I was doing my own Wilson. Wow. Wow. That was pretty good, John. That was really good. Thank you. You you know what? We should give some plugs to some people uh, before we wrap up. uh, Do do you want to tell us what we're talking about next week, Jacqueline? Oh, sure. I'll I'll just throw it out there real quick. So next week, we're going to hit a big one, guys. We're going to be talking about Jordan Peele's Get out. Fuck yeah. Get out of here. Pick. Get, get out of here. <laughs> get, get out. You get out of here. Dude, I'm stoked. Good pick, Jacqueline. Great Excuse pick. Me. Well, and we will also be featuring a special guest. Ooh. Somebody that has never been on the show before. And I will leave it at that. So this is yet another first time guest in this new calendar year. So listeners, you will be rewarded with a new voice. Is it Samara? Yeah, no, we, she's already yeah, been on Joey the show. Remember? Yeah, that's Samara right. was already on the show that time. <laughs> I think that We're was just making it a family affair. Guest host on this show, being that this had ring vibes to it. What's that? Oh, yeah, she should have been on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, who knows? So, yeah, Maybe we'll, we'll be covering the ring one day. 
maybe. So, yeah, next week it's Get Out with a special guest whose identity I will keep secret from now, but you will be introduced to them next week. I'm excited. Rob Zombie. <laughs> yep, I, I called him, I texted him, and I was like, hey, Rob. It's going to be Spider One from Alabama. Robbie. Mm, yeah. Spider Deuce. Spider Deuce. All right. So, what shout outs do we have this week? I yeah. actually, I, I think all of us can can echo this. So, so, my first shout out, I'd like to a big shout out to Matt Stenson from Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, uh, yeah. For the holidays, man. We got these awesome, awesome holiday cards. Uh, I got this sweet looking uh, uh, jack o' lantern um, yeah. ornament. Which yeah. was fantastic, dude. We can't say thank you enough. Being a it's supporter, like the straight chilling with... symbol a little bit, you yeah. know, with the eye. Yep. Yeah, it's like he, he's just a quality person. My goodness, he's so thoughtful. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, I, as soon as I get a chance, I'm gonna be uh, getting some thank you cards, sending those out yeah. because uh, that 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 meant a lot. He, it, he made these too, by the it, way. Yeah, exactly. So, so, he cut on the back of it. It says "Hard with Us 2022." Yep. Thank you and, so uh, much, Matt. You're the best. Yeah. Matt, you That's are. That's very, uh, very kind of you. I keep correspondence with Matt just like on D- in DMs and stuff like that all the time. And he's always one of the people that just cues in like, yo, you guys did a great job this week. Or blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he sent me that letter and the trash bag to, so I could tackle art <laughs> properly, which fucking just made me laugh so much. He sent cards for the holidays. So, so yeah, we, he's due. We he need sent to, Halloween we need cards. To yeah. Um, well, he writes like letters. He's not. It's not just yeah, like does. Merry Christmas, Happy Halloween. It's yeah. like he writes letters. Like, blah blah blah. Yeah. So, yeah and, uh, just a small bit of like behind the scenes. Um, he watched this film this week and not just to get ready for our cast. And I even I DM'd him. I was like, "Yo, would you want to come on the show and talk about Smile?" But it was a little last minute. He's like, "I got to work like this late shift, so I can't." But he gave me a couple of dates on when he might be able to make a show, cool. so we'll get him on. We'll love to have him on. I thought he would. He would like to come on and talk about this one because he seemed to enjoy it enough. Where I was like, "Yo, come on!" But you know, timing didn't work out. But, but yeah, well, we'll someday, someday. Yep, for sure. Yep, we'll make it happen. Uh, we also about... have a we also yeah, have a major ahead. thank you to say to our friend Anna, who appeared yes. on the show a couple of weeks ago in my stead. Um, she has a wonderful business, which I think she plugged on the show before. But Anna's House of Wax, she makes I her love own the themes. It's so good. She makes um, handmade candles that I think are they exclusively horror themed or are just some of them? No, they're themed? they're movie themed in general. Movie like themed. they're okay. just basically like all movie themed. Yeah, super high quality ingredients. Uh, they smell great. Made of soy. They burn real clean. What what scent did you get, Hydroberg? Mine was no feet, and it's a Beetlejuice uh, themed <laughs> candle. I'm burning it right now, and it's got the stripes around it, like. It's purple and, and green. Nice, nice. Green. And then she sent me some awesome stickers. Yeah, me business too. Card. Yeah. And then, I... yeah. And then was they also like some extra waxes for like test uh, samples of scents? And it was uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, because she knows I'm a Marvel guy. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. What scent did you get, John? I got the Halloween in Haddonfield. A oh, warm nice. pumpkin spice scent. Perfect for fall nights of babysitting. <laughs> I love that. That's so yeah, see, perfect. Like little for you. descriptors on the candles on the labels. So she good. makes her own labels. Like it's it is from start to finish like a labor of love for her, and I think that's awesome. She makes a great craft, and I think people need to check out her Etsy site. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful product. I, I got, got my freebie, and I'm hooked already. I'm gonna I'm gonna be purchasing some soon. Same here. I'm a candle freak. I love anything scented, so I'm totally sold. I got one. This is so perfect for me. You guys know 
it's tootie fucking fruity. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> tootie fucking fruity. She knows me already. She really uh, does. The devil's rejects. So perfect. And it's beautiful. It, it's like most of the candle is pink, but then on top, it's like, it looks like blue frosting, actually. It mm-hmm. looks like frosting and it has like gold glitter on top. It's gorgeous. Um, it. And it smells her, delightful. She shows like oh, some of these videos of her putting these candles together. That's so awesome. That was Anna so, Presley. so sweet. Thank yeah. you so much, Anna. So Anna's House of Wax. Um, go check out her Etsy store and order some candles because oh, they are. Anna, it's, it's me, Billy. You make my favorite <laughs> candles. <laughs> Pine cone. Oh. <laughs> hey, I heard we got an email. Sure did. Yeah, we got an email from our good friend who's very hard with us, 2 p.m. Todd, yeah. who's sent us some Happy New Year greetings. Uh, she said, she said, he said, um, thanks for all you do. Thanks for the passion and discussion you put into each week's episode and giving content that fuels our love of horror movies. Thank you, Todd. Seriously. Thank, thank you, you for even listening. Like, it's unbelievable to me that anybody listens to us, honestly. Um, so thank you for being so loyal to us. And then he wanted to share his top five movies Ooh, from last cool. year. So I don't know if these are in any particular order. Um, he didn't specify. On the email, but I don't know if that's like exactly how they they land fan yeah and when he did one two three four five and so i feel like if you're being specific about like what your number one is you're going to be like five four three two one so i don't know if he's yeah. in order todd email us and let us know whether okay. these are in order but i'll just read them in the order that you put them number one terrifier two. Oh yeah Boom. he calls That's him screen brother. views it too because he he talks about flexing his regal pass like <laughs> yep and just so like he's been to the theater a ton of times he saw yep. 40 films in the movies this year Jesus Christ, I'm so jealous. How are my idol? That's really amazing. So, number one, Terrifier 2. Number two, Nope. Yeah. Number three, Barbarian. Nice. Number four, X. And number five, The Menu. That's a quality list, I have to say. From a quality listener. I agree. Yeah. That's another movie I want to watch is The Menu. I've heard good things. Yeah, it's on Is HBO it? now. Okay. I haven't it seen it either, it. but that's my next watch when All I have right, time. Cool. Yeah. Um, Hyderberg, did you do you have it open on your email right now? I Pod do. Email? Yeah, there's some honorable mentions also. Yeah, you want to read those? Sure. Uh, Don't Worry Darling, which I saw in the theaters also. Pearl and Smile are one of them. Cool. Uh, much like you all said, the streaming world gave us some good ones like Prey, which I liked. Hellraiser, Cabinet of Curiosities, which is a banger. Uh, the Baby. I never watched The Baby, but I've heard of it. 1899, which I watched. But unfortunately, it got canceled. Uh, and uh, Resurrection, just to name a few. Um, I've seen most of those. He I also finished watching season two of Alice in Borderlands, which uh, just kind of dropped. Um, I've seen season one. I have okay. not heard of that. I don't even know. It's, what a, that it's, a, it's based on like a manga. Oh, OK. But it's interesting. Um, cool. And he's looking forward to our number one hundredth uh, episode. He loves seeing us continue to grow, and he wishes us the best. That's so sweet. Thank you so much, Todd. You're the best. Yeah, Todd. Hey, Todd, just a heads up. In April, probably at the beginning, we're going to do a live watch-along party, so we want you to join us. Yeah. Yeah, uh, go I'll get, get yourself some Beef O'Brailies takeout and come by and hang out. <laughs> See you at Beefs. <laughs> it's going to be Evil Bong. I'm just kidding. Oh, nice. That would be pretty fun to watch, though. Some evil Bong rips. Oh my god. Hydraberg, did you want to call out our arch nemeses? Oh yeah, bit? we I uh, speaking of emails, we got a like 
we got a, a flood of emails. Uh, they were all aimed at uh, cut above. Um, I forgot what the actual uh, moniker was, but um, yeah, they were all about spoils of horror. Yeah, yeah, we got a lot of hate mail for suck. spoils of horror all of a sudden. Yeah, I, I got that one happens. that says "Dear a cut above." Uh, spoils of horror is really bad, and I really wish that they were better. <laughs> uh, Stephen King. It was. It was Stephen King said that. Yeah. yeah. Stephen oh, King. That's funny. I got an email that said. Yeah, Stephen's jokes aren't funny, and Leo's voices suck. I don't know what that's. Oh, wow. I don't know, like, why are they emailing us that that stuff? That's pretty. That's pretty hurtful. Oh. Whoever wrote that, but no, I mean, they're, so they're they're right. But I I, I wouldn't say that personally. <laughs> like, myself. Why would you say that? Yeah, I wouldn't say that about Keep my that friend. kind of thing to yourself. Yeah, uh, and, and I got one, one from Reptilicus. Oh, yeah, Reptilicus. Uh, mm-hmm. The subject is a cut above is a cut above spoils a horror all day, <laughs> all year, all night. Um, tell Stephen to stop doing Pilates because uh, <laughs> it's not working, right? Oh, God. <laughs> Man, oh, oh, no, 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 it says PS Hydrio. All right, I got another one that here it says, um, hey, spoils of horror. Uh, it's not that good of a show, don't believe the hype. Um, cut above is so much better. PS, this is Leo, love you guys. <laughs> So yeah, I don't I don't know what to make of that, but it's so weird. Oh, I, All of a I sudden, we started getting these. You emails. have my information. You can contact us if you want, and just blink twice if you need help, buddy. <laughs> well, on that note, if you would like to email us about us, you can email us at a cut above horror review at gmail You can also follow us on Twitter at cut above horror. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. Oh, this is going to start a war. Holy crap. You can follow us on Facebook. Hey, we didn't start. We did not start it. I'm just saying. Review. Uh, We also want to get those uh, five-star reviews still going on Spotify and on iTunes. Uh, You can also leave us a uh, review on iTunes, wherever you listen to us on your, uh, uh, your podcasting. We appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah. And if you want to leave us one star, we're at Spoils of Horror on iTunes. (laughs) exactly that's right (laughs) all right well guys thanks for a great episode i'm looking forward to watching get out again and talking about it with you guys next week and a special guest and a special guest who shall be revealed later and keep it smiley